This is Reverend Kirk Lawton, minister at Ocean Lakes Family Campground, and this is our podcast. Our prayer is that this message may enrich your life as you find God especially meaningful to you. Thank you for worshiping with us. One time there was a little girl who received as a Christmas present a model miniature village. She never tired of setting up the houses, the buildings, the businesses, and then tearing them down and setting them up again. One day her father asked her, Honey, what kind of town is that you're building? She quickly replied, Oh, it's a Christian town, Daddy. The father then suggested, Well, dear, suppose we play like it's not a Christian town. Let's just suggest maybe it's a heathen town. What do we have to take out of that village? Well, immediately the little girl removed the church from the center of her town. Is that all? Questioned her father. I suppose so, said the little girl. Oh, no, indeed, said the father. We must also remove the hospital because it was Jesus who taught us how to care for the sick, the afflicted, the aged. Well, you said the aged, Daddy. I guess I have to remove also the home for the aged, old people. Yes, said the father, and the children's home too. Wow, anything else, she asked. Well, said the father, I guess you'd have to say the public library has to go too because heathen countries don't want people to read and learn. They're afraid of the teachings of Jesus. And also the schools have to go because there'd be no Christian teachers. And our schools are made up of many real fine Christian teachers, said her father. Well, Daddy, there's not one good thing left now for my village, said the little girl. I certainly would not want to live in a town like that for anything, not in a town where God is completely left out. I think we could all agree that that little girl was right. We would not want to live in a place where the influence of God's will is totally removed. It'd be a horrible existence. But there are those who try to leave God out of their lives even today. As a man walked down the street of a large city one day, he was attracted to a large crowd of people who were gathered in front of a store. As he drew near, he learned that it was a bookstore and the people were looking at a display in the window. Arranged inside were many books which had been printed, all of them by the same title, same author. The thing that made this particular book so special was that the author had taken pains to choose only words for his book which did not contain the letter E. The man who happened to be attracted to this window then began to let his mind wander on what could be said in such a book. Surely the author must have been forced to leave out a whole lot. He thought about the things that had to be omitted if you did not use the letter E in a word throughout the entire book. Father, I have to go. Mother also. Home. America. Love. Happiness. Jesus. In fact, just about everything worthwhile had to be left out. Then the man thought what a foolish idea that was, just as foolish 
as those who try to live without God in their lives. Just for a few minutes, let me mention just a few brief areas in which all of us may be prone to leave God out. First one thing I want to mention is that of personal possessions. You know, everything we have in the material realm is simply a gift from God. We can save our money and feel sometimes we've earned a particular thing, but even these things we could not have if God didn't give us the ability to earn money, to work for it. Some time ago, I heard about a preacher who told about an incident which happened to him. He said, I went down to the, this was many years ago now, he said, I went down to the dime store when we had dime stores with my wife the other day. And while she was finishing her shopping, I leaned against a counter with an arm full of packages. I saw a little boy, dirty, ragged, come into that store and he stood looking longingly at the candy behind the glass showcase. I reached into my pocket and I got out a dollar and I handed it to the lady behind the counter and I said, I want you to give that little boy a dollar's worth of candy and I want you to let him pick it out. The clerk smiled and said to the man, all right, I'll do that. So she went over to the little boy and said, all right, son, what do you want? He went along and picked it out, candy after candy, piece after piece. And when she handed the bag of candy to him, he crammed his mouth full of candy. The preacher watched him eat for a minute. And then he asked the little boy, is that good candy? The little fellow's mouth was too full for him to talk, but he mumbled, uh-huh. And then the preacher held out his hand and said, hey, how about letting me have one piece of that candy? And with this, the expression on the little boy's face changed to one of fear and defiance as he whirled around, clutching his bag of candy, uh, uttered only two words, mine, mine. Then he dashed out of the store as fast as he could run. I wonder if any of us treat God that way. He gives us so many things. And then he asks that we give him back only a small part. So many of us clutch what we have, mumbling about something about now we're under grace and not under the law and all that kind of thing. And we say to it, in effect to God, this is mine, mine. Let me mention a second area in which we are prone, if we're not careful, just to leave God out. And that's our prayer life. There's some who leave God out of their lives by failing to exercise the opportunity of praying to the fullest. Bible, you remember, tells us to pray without ceasing or always to be in the spirit of prayer. But all too many of us may use prayer only when we'd use a fire extinguisher for emergency use only. Haven't you had, heard some people say sometime, well, when all else fails, that's when you need to pray. I heard a story some time ago about a Miami pastor who a few days after a hurricane had a visitor to come to see him, somebody he had never seen before. This lady came to that preacher's office and she said, preacher, I want you to know I prayed as hard as anybody in this city that God would protect my home and my family. But that hurricane literally destroyed my house. Preacher, tell me why. I earnestly prayed. Are you a Christian? The pastor asked. Well, no, no, I'm not, but I did pray. God ought to hear the prayer of anyone, whether she said, whether they're good Christians or not. 
I think the preacher's answer to this woman was classic. He said, lady, I don't know why your house was destroyed unless maybe God was so busy taking care of his regular customers. <laughs> we may not fully agree with that man's theology. I, I don't. But he does have a point here. God does hear all of our prayers. But he does not expect us to wait only until trouble comes into our lives for us to pray. When we stay in constant communion with God through prayer, keeping open the lines of communication, then we have a reserve strength that we can fall back on when we do need it. I've often quoted Dr. Roy Angel, minister in Miami for many, many years ago. He so beautifully illustrated this story in one of his books. He told it like this. During the Depression, there was a run on the banks in a city in which I used to live. Two of those banks closed their doors on the same day, but the First National Bank stayed open as usual. That night I went over to see the president of First National Bank. He was a deacon in my church where I had served. I wanted to know how deeply concerned, I wanted him to know how deeply concerned I was about the trouble he was facing at his bank. I really expected him to be upset and nervous, but to my astonishment and my delight, he met me at the door with a cheerful smile. After we exchanged a, a few pleasantries, I said to him, I want to know, I, I want you to know that my prayers are with you in this crisis, and I'm going to be praying especially for you tomorrow. It's going to be a terrible day, I'm sure. That banker expressed sincere appreciation of the preacher, and then he said, Reverend, I'm not particularly worried about tomorrow. In fact, I think I'm going to enjoy it. But said Dr. Angel, you surely going to have a run on your bank tomorrow, aren't you? Oh, yes, said the banker. We'll have a run. But stacked up in the vaults of the First National Bank are more dollars than the depositors can ever check out. We've been expecting this, and our reserves are intact. Yes, they're going to come piling in tomorrow, scared, frantic. And it's going to be fun to stand there and tell them, take your time, folks. There's enough money here for everybody who has deposits. You can draw out every cent that you ever put into this bank. And they'll draw it out. And they'll hold it in their hands a little while. Then they'll put it back. Then Dr. Angel said to the banker, You know, oh, I, I'm going home thinking what a grand thing it is for a man to have financial reserves and moral reserves and above all spiritual reserves sufficient to take care of any emergency that arises. Your spiritual reserves can be strengthened by maintaining an active, vital prayer life from day to day. There have always been, and there probably always will be, people who leave God out of their lives. But these are people who continue to live miserable existences. Noted lawyer of many years ago, his name was Clarence Dara, was one of the most famous atheists of his day. Fame, however, did not bring him any happiness. In fact, he wrote these words. If I were a young man with life ahead of me, I think I'd chuck it all the way things are now. The odds are too great against you. And anyway, the world is all wrong nowadays. I certainly have no encouragement for the young bloods that are just starting out. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. 
but those who commit their way to the Lord find in him a friend that never fails. Dr. Norman Vincent Peale is the name of a man that many people remember hearing preach or maybe read some of his columns. He wrote one day uh, these words, strange isn't it how, how memories come flooding up from your childhood. Dr. Peale said a memory came to me uh, of a late Christmas or New Year's Eve afternoon in Cincinnati, Ohio when I was just a little boy. He said, my father was seated at one of those old-fashioned roll-top desks. He was writing a letter, and he dated it in the upper right-hand corner, December the 31st, and put the year. He commented thoughtfully, this is the last time I will write December 31. We both had a sense of dignity of the passing year. And then I asked him, Dad, what do you think next year is going to be like? I can see him still as he leaned back in his swivel chair. He put one foot up on the side of his roll-top desk and pointed a finger at me and he said, Son, next year is going to be just what God and you make it. Dr. Peel concluded saying, I remember how impressed I was even as a child. I'm even more convinced now that what my father said is the truth. The future will be just what God and you and I make it to be. But if we leave God out of it, there's no joy we can expect, not lasting joy. Oh, God, help us to know that real joy, real happiness within, serenity, peace is found as we take you as a vital part of our lives. We want to do that, Lord. Help us right now to make that commitment, whatever form it takes. This we pray in the name of Jesus, who came to bring us abundant life. Amen.